pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quaggett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 29 of the Draft Rugby Podcast, where we discuss fantasy super rugby, the game they play online in heaven. You can check out the platform at draftrugby.com and you'll find us on the socials at Draft Rugby. I am joined by Harry and Nelson on Zoom. Harry doing his best to smash his surroundings with the trophy. Staying home, Cargit. Staying home, mate. <laughs> no, well, uh, how, how, were, uh, how were both your weekends? Thank you for joining me. I hope your weekends were better than your fantasy team's weekends. But um, yeah, how I, uh, My weekend was, was a bit, bit up and down, mate. I, we won a, a brilliant local derby. Harry was there, had it live streamed and... One in the 80, 89th minute with a try to win by one point. So that's pretty entertaining, but a little bit worse for wear after that. And I don't remember anything about uh, any fantasy footy being played, so that's all good. Oh, that was it? That was, that was all that happened on the weekend? Yeah. Okay, no, that's good. Actually, wait, I, just, I do want to say in our personal table of head-to-head, there was a clear loser, wasn't it, Harry? Or did Harry beat Kagi in the one-on-one? Yeah. Damn it, it's all, we're all drawn. Mate, come on, I never lose. Don't put that on me. We have all beaten one other podcaster in the um, podcast cup, if you will. The sad Um, thing was that Nelson only had two wins, one against the bye and one against me. Absolutely. (laughs) But it it wasn't even a bye against me. He had a good week as well. (laughs) That's it. No, that was, uh, look, Obviously, you can take away from that that, uh, yes, yours truly did defeat, or I should say crush, uh, Nelson this weekend. Um, just it was really important to not be the only podcaster without a loss. And to all the fans out there, look, and uh, to the other, other drafters, I did say 75% of my motivation for winning this weekend was to make sure that Nelson was back in the spoon final where he belongs. And 25% was just to... Make sure I got into the finals. Um, I, um, congratulations I... on another successful trade rape as well, Kagi. Will oh. Jordan for Geordie Barrett. Top shelf. Top shelf. That's true. Look, it was a oh, uh, very contentious week with the possibility of the Crusaders and Blues game, uh, spoiler alert, uh, being cancelled. And um, I just I pulled the ripcord early um, and I traded away the best players in the fantasy competition at my Crusaders and I got back what I could, um, which Christ. turned out pretty bloody good. Mate, uh, I also had a little, little few chats with people behind the scenes. You were about to have Will Harrison for Richie Moanga, and I worked hard to make sure you got Matt Tamua instead. Matt Tamua got 13 points compared to Will Harrison's 54 and uh, worked hard for my own trade. So that I ended up getting Jock Campbell and Garden Bashup for Mark Talea, who didn't play, and Mitch Hunt. And Mitch Hunt ended up getting more points Anyway, then Jock Campbell and Garden Bashup combined. Terrible. I was going to say, I'm glad to hear that that all worked out for you. Um, and <laughs> you? Uh, that's true. You preventing me from getting Will Harrison uh, just made it all the, mo- all the more closer. The odd um, 170 points I beat you by. But, um... <laughs> the interesting thing is, you, you leave that up there because with the points, you can see that uh, oh, Bung, who's in third, is only 81 total points above me. The two blokes sitting above me. A far below. This is playing the man. I, I lagged out a bit then. Um, yeah, Harry, that's a great point about playing the man. I definitely played the man this week. But um, no, uh, I just put up on as my Zoom background the uh, OG League table 
uh, where you can see two of the podcasters' names up in the green end of the table uh, where they belong and are very familiar. Um, and uh, someone with a, a, he's in the red end, kind of like the background of his Zoom picture right now. Um, so right where he belongs. Uh, Another day in the office for me, mate. That's it. No, um, <laughs> very good. But um, no, Harry, look, it was, uh, it was a little unfortunate for you as well, mate. I believe you were nine points off staying mm. on top of the table for getting the attacking bonus point, uh, 450 attacking uh, bonus point. Yeah. yeah. No, no further no, comment. No, no. Just, you're devastated. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was. I really wanted minor premiership. And I knew I just needed 450 for it, but 441, it's all right. Still in the game, mate. It's all good. Very good. All right. Well, um, no, that's enough of our fantasy chat um, and me bathing in my glory. Um, before we get stuck into our menu for tonight, uh, do we want to do a quick breakdown, though, of how our final series worked? That, of course, being the last round of the regular season, or should we save that and add it into dessert? What do we yeah, think? I think for dessert. Let's add it into dessert? All right. Let's do it. Okay, well, for our menu, on our menu for tonight, then, we will be reviewing Draft Rugby Round 7, the last round of the regular season. And this was uh, the final week of the Super Rugby Aotearoa competition, or half week of that competition, if you will. Um, and it was Round 7 of Super Rugby AU. For main course, we're going to look to Round 8 of Super Rugby AU and what to expect in that. Um, and for dessert, we're going to take a look back at the regular season, uh, look at the top three performers in the competition in every position by total fantasy points and um, and which Super Rugby teams they belong to. So which teams had the most top performers? Is that of just Aotearoa or is that of both? I believe both. that is of both, but yeah, so you may end up looking season. more like Aotearoa, I suspect, mm-hmm. just because that's how... The Kiwis. Uh, there's, uh, there's two teams that had no one in, in that list. One was an Aussie and one was a Kiwi, and you could probably pick both of them. I don't believe it. No, that's, um, that's huge. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into it. So uh, for Andre, uh, the buys this week were the Blues and the Force. They weren't because nope. the Blues... Well, the Blues the didn't mind us have a buy, uh, I guess. Yeah. The Brumbies and Chiefs. <laughs> no, and we, we didn't should, uh, update yeah. the notes. But no, the, the, well, look, the, the Brumbies and Chiefs had the bye in the last round. And the, look, we, spoiler alert here, but the Blues and Crusaders game did get cancelled because of the uh, coronavirus outbreak in Auckland. Um, we all thought perhaps it was a great idea to play it behind closed doors because then you would know that all the Kiwis were at home watching the footy. I hoped that. The government didn't quite feel that that argument held as much water. So, um, the first game, Harry, why don't you take us away, mate? The Force and the Waratahs. I think Nelson's going to do it. Yeah, no, look, I'm, 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 today. I'm killing it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, the Force got, got towed up here, 8 to 28, one try to three. I think this game was actually played in Queensland, so neither home state, just to make sure the Waratahs couldn't get two home games against them. Uh, in, in terms of the returns column, Ian Pryor returned from his shoulder injury and Rob Simmons returned from his rib fracture a, a couple of weeks after doing it. In terms of new injuries, Nick Frisby, he actually broke his name, nose. Didn't break his name. He broke his nose. He broke his nails. He broke his nails. He needs a podiatrist. But, yeah, no, look, this, this was a game I think we all hoped that the Tars could put it together two weeks in a row. Yeah, Harry, what did you want to say? 
Uh, just on injuries as well, I, I didn't mention it in the uh, casualty ward last week. I didn't realise Dane Zander injured his knee midweek. Yep. And he's out for the season as well. That cost oh, me okay, my yeah, nine points for, for the record. <laughs> oh, mate. Don't, don't complain. Um, all right. So, yeah. So, this is the first time the Tars have actually gone back-to-back in 17 months. So, it doesn't sound like something you'd be too proud of. But as Waratahs fans over here, it is good to see it's finally happened. And all we had to do is bring the force back into the competition. <laughs> Um, this, the first half of this match wasn't as solid as a lot of the other footy we've seen in, in the Aussie conference. It was just a little bit slow. Uh, the teams are feeling each other out a little bit. A lot of uh, force and backs, uh, which is, is, I suppose, probably named after the force in the start of this game here. But, yeah, look, the, the force set piece really, I think, struggled throughout this one, as we thought it, it may, especially in their lineouts. They won only 10 of 18 lineouts. That's 56% uh, for all you guys that can't do match out there, Kagi. The Waratahs also won seven of nine, getting 78%. The scrums, uh, the force lost three of their 10, while the Tars only lost one of their five. Big thing out of this one before we touch on anything else is Nick Berry is atrocious. What do you guys think of Nick Berry? Is he the reason you lost this week? Like Just like Ben O'Keefe the um, week prior? or? Yeah, something like that. I just, I just wonder what he's watching half the time. Like, I just don't think he's got any feel for the game. I think we had a, a good discussion ourselves about whether that uh, scrum penalty that went against the Western Force against Kieran Longbottom and Kagi saw it differently to you and I, Nelson. I think he had a good argument as well that I think they, they pinged Longbottom for angling in, which he probably was. But uh, I thought Tom Robertson as well was, was really poor under a lot of pressure and uh, yeah. he didn't take the hit, and his elbow dropped straight to the ground as well. And I just think you, you reward the dominant scrum. You've given a few scrum penalties yeah. in a row to the Western it's, Force. I just don't know how you take away their best attacking opportunity for, you know, I, um, one penalty when they're clearly the dominant scrum. I think how, what actually sort of led up to that point, because you could see Tom Robinson's response afterwards, uh, was he, he was saying, I told you, I told you, trying to say, like, he claimed that this was happening. But to be honest, yeah, yeah, maybe uh, Longbottom was boring in a little bit. But but for me, I, I don't think Robertson was ever really set. I, don't, I think he had the weaker position from the, the start of that contact. So I think it could have definitely gone either way. But one team was definitely dominant leading up to it. And I think if Tom Robertson wasn't in his ear, I think the penalty probably would have gone the other way. So that's probably good, good from Tom Robertson, to be fair. But... Um, it, I, it's interesting to see a, a prop manipulate what the what Nick Berry is seeing there. That was yeah, the I'll just moment say, as well. I thought it was pretty bad all the way through, to be honest. Yeah. I was going to say, I'll just say, look, the dark arts of the scrums can go either way, but I thought it, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily just that. Nick Berry made a number of mistakes. You know, I think he said at some point, oh, like, I just wanted to, you know, let the game play once or twice. Someone, someone wanted to pull it back for a penalty. If he wanted to let the game play, there was quite a few times he really sucked the momentum out of the attack. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think it, he had a, quite a few bad mistakes. I, I thought it was pretty harsh. I, I won't go into too much detail, but the, the try, I think, for uh, Gordon, when he uh, it was the was it a chip over and Hunt, Hunt was offside, mm. maybe, but like a tiny bit. And they've mm. said, no, Hunt's onside. And then they pinged um, Gordon for, for being offside. But he was making for advancing. a mere effort to not advance. Like, he made a humongous effort to wait till Hunt went past him before he stepped forward, and he ended up getting pinged for it. At Mind least you, at the, case, at the, the uh, TMI. Yeah, true. Mind you, at the time, yeah, uh, 
at the time, the two tries I was denied, Nelson was very happy with and completely on Nick Berry's side at that point in time, though, yeah. 100%. Um, look, I think a couple of little things I want to touch on as well. Uh, the first thing we've seen from uh, Kahui, his little nutmeg grubber uh, to set up that try for Stander and Stander running through at pace to pick that up and score. It was good to see that they come together from the force. And I think it's uh, we need to give a shout out to Michael Hooper, the youngest man to make uh, 150 caps, I think, at super rugby level. So... Amazing. I think Aaron Smith hit his 150th as well. He did. How, uh, what's the difference in age between those two? Sure, they must be pretty close. Uh, I think uh, Kiwis actually age uh, two years to one of Aussies. They always look a bit older and, and harder done by. Right. Yeah, after, I think after David's got a year or two on him. So. 28th of October 91 for Michael Hooper. And, uh, and uh, 21st of, of, of November, nine, uh, 88, 31 to 28. Wow, he's got three years on him. Wow. That's it. Three years. Um, yeah, so look, the, the match stats were pretty similar for possession and territory. Um, the Waratahs had 499 to 387 in terms of the metres, 22 to 14 tackle busts in 14 to 8 offloads. Fantasy man of the match was Jack Maddox with 64 points. He looks solid again. 11 runs for 76 metres. A try, a try assist, a line break, four tackle busts and two offloads. For the Waratahs, uh, Will Harrison had 54 points. Jack Dempsey, 51. Jake Gordon, 48. And for the force, Stowers got 45. A man I let go to pick up. Um, <laughs> Lee Warner, that was a mistake. Brian Star- Brian Adstand, I got 44. Byron Ralston, 41. And Thrush got 40. Cool. Nice one. Excellent. Next um, one. Uh, sorry, Craigs. Please. No, please. Lead us on. I was going to say, Matt, I'll take all the New Zealand games this week. Sounds <laughs> good. So, firstly, we'll start with the Highlanders and the Hurricanes game. Uh, Highlanders under the roof got up. 38 to 21, five tries to three. I don't think there was any returning players from injuries in this one that came to mind for me. Um, but you did have the one injury with uh, Parry Parry Parkinson limping off the field at like the 39th minute or something. So obviously something wasn't right there. And I've had another Google. I can't find any detail as to what it was. Do you know um, what happened to Hooson? Yeah. Uh, he no, was pulled pre-game. Yeah. Is that what it was? Okay. He yeah. Was pulled pre-game with uh, my... My pick up Tia Tia to start, but that didn't I saw work him, I saw him congratulating someone else on a, on a try when he didn't do anything at all to help. Um, so Nelson would have been devastated. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't know why he was on the field. So yeah, there you go. Not, not sure. That one jumped past me, to be honest. Mm. No, I didn't hear why Hussein was injured. I just that he was pulled pre-game. Sorry. I'm on it, boys. Mm-hmm. Right, good. Uh, okay, in this one. So first of all, they survived the COVID scare to play. So they had to they had to push it four hours earlier so that the Canes could actually fly home on the same day with the new restrictions. Uh, it was level two lockdown in all of New Zealand, other than Auckland, which was on level three. Level two lockdown, they just can't have crowds. So obviously, a, a bit of a different atmosphere for them, having had packed stadiums for absolutely everything up to that point. They did play the crowd noise um, in the stadium. Yeah, they also um, they, they played this game uh, four hours earlier due to the fact that they needed uh, the teams to fly home on the same day. That was part of... <laughs> uh, did you say that? 
Yeah, that, that might have been exactly what Harry just said. But it's all right. Well, there he was cast. a delay. Nelson is calling in from very far. It was a bit of a delay. But um, just in case you missed that point, I want to really ram it home. So they played four hours late. No. <laughs> earlier. Four hours earlier, Kagi. So oh, well, obviously I missed all, everything. So. Just, just like in fantasy footy, Nelson's always way behind the rest of us. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> How good. All right. So moving on. Aaron Smith's 150th game in this one. As we said, 31 years old. But uh, awesome achievement for him, and he played very well. And Ash Dixon, his 100th, scored one or two tries. Who scored that second roll in more try? Second half roll in more try? I think Dixon only got one, but um, yeah. I don't know who scored that one. God, he's good. Like, I, I always liked him, and I always I was a little bit disappointed with the rise of Liam Coltman with the fact that he got was less it? game time. But, you know, you had to respect the fact that Coltman was very good as well. But Ash Dixon has always been an excellent, excellent player. Back when he was uh, when he was captain in the Maori and everything, I've always really liked him. So it's been great to see his form this year, and him him getting the majority of the time, the lion's share of the time this season. So that's that's what he really needed. To be fair, he just needed to start week in week out. Liam Coltman hasn't had uh, as much of a say in this because he just hasn't been as good. But was that second try uh, the penalty try? Was that Artie Sevilla? No, it wasn't a penalty try. It wasn't a penalty try in the end. It was a penalty try though. It was Artie Sevilla. Um, coming in the side. Okay, if, if it was a penalty try, that it would was, be like, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No problem. I know they gave the yellow card. I didn't realize it actually got awarded. Is that that'll make sense? Hmm. Uh, one more, one more accolade in this one as well. Dane Cole's the most capped forward for the Hurricanes with 119 matches. So, pretty big moment for him as well. And at the pace that he's still got, I reckon he's got another good 15 to 20 years in him as well. <laughs> you just need just need some calf implants. Yeah. yeah right. Bonus question, boys: Who did he just overtake to become the most capped forward? It's got to be um, who was that back rower? Uh, number eight, not um, what's his name? Brad. Brad. Uh, he's playing in England now. Why can't Brad Shields? No, no it's not him. No, it's not Victor Vita. No. It was a uh, Tumangala. Jeffrey Tumangala. I think so. Really? I'm Did pretty you... sure it was. Wow, that is that is interesting. I hope. Here we right. go. I was, I was hoping it was someone I cared about, but you know, fine. Um, no, that's, oh, that's very interesting. I love Tamara Allen. Big Jeff, yeah. No. First half of yeah. this one, getting to the game, was absolutely champagne rugby. Just the Hurricanes scored two length of the field tries, everyone involved. Jamie Booth, particularly impressive. He's Stop. just so good. He needs to go to the Crusaders so that he can start at nine for them. No, he needs to be Australian. We'll, we'll take him as well. <laughs> I thought he was going to be your first trade pickup, Harry, for sure. But he, um, you he let was. it sink through. 100% he was, but he got picked up way before me. Oh, in the first round, did he? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was 100% taking him. I was so excited. Yeah. But, you know, he, he played up to that uh, that hype as well. I thought he was excellent. Really, really good. And I remember the commentators as well saying at halftime they thought he was the best person on the park. So that's uh, that, that's pretty impressive for a bloke that's got barely any game time all year. Mm. Um, the Highlanders kind of stayed in the first half. They had a rolling mall try and they had one go against the grain as well. It was 14 all. And, you know, I thought the Hurricanes probably had a little bit of the upper hand. In the second half, though, they just absolutely ran away with it. Like Nelson said, there was that rolling mall try that ended up in a uh, penalty try and a yellow card to Adi Sevilla. They were still already kind of getting away from the game at that point. Um, but uh, I think that was kind of like the, the thing that really stole any momentum and any hope away from the Hurricanes fans and the Hurricanes players. 
and then uh, as they kind of tried to chase the game and throw the ball around late, the Highlanders just kind of put the foot in the throat and just finished them off. And it was really impressive from Aaron Smith. Mitch Hunt, I thought, was absolutely excellent. And maybe he isn't. He maybe he can play fullback. <laughs> I really thought it was not going to work at all, but he was excellent as well. And uh, I, I would just shout out before I get to the points and the stats, uh, Garden Bashup as well. I thought he had some really fine touches and. That is difficult for me to say, to be completely honest. <laughs> so impressed by that. Look, the, the match stats in this one, the first half of the Highlanders had all the possession and territory at 70% apiece. And in the Hurricanes, the, they, they dominated in the second half with 60% of possession, 63% in territory. So the possession kind of went each way and, and, and didn't really reflect the flow of the game, in my opinion. Huge running meters in this under the roof, as we say every week. Fantasy points are plenty 661 to 681 run meters, which is just absolutely mammoth. 40 to 21 tackle bus, the Highlanders leading that one, which is ridiculous. 24 to 22 line breaks, just insane. 18 turnovers for the Highlanders as well. And I, it was just it was just insane. The one the other stat that kind of stood out to me was the Hurricanes only tackled at 69%. 91 or 131, and I think that kind of tells the story of why they lost. The Highlanders were just running rampant, and the Hurricanes looked a little bit down and out. Obviously, not quite been in the hunt anymore for uh, for the competition to to win the title. I think they kind of lost a bit of steam. Man, fantasy man of the match on this one was uh, 77 points. Jordy Barrett, he had 14 runs for 122 meters, almost the magic 10 meters a run. Six tackle busts, three line breaks, three offloads, and three conversions to boot as well. Uh, Michael Collins, 76 points. He'll never do that again. Aaron Smith, 68. Joshua Wainer, 61. Mitch Hunt, 60. Tu'u, 53. Dixon, 51. In the Hurricanes, Jamie Booth with 65. Vince Arso, 49. Peter Amunga Jensen, 48. Just points everywhere. Like we said, pick players under the roof. I um, The one thing that I've learned from this is definitely to pick players under the roof. I have, have thought about this. If I didn't pick up Satutu and I picked up uh, Satutu and I picked up uh, Hoskins, no, if I didn't, if I didn't pick yeah, up Hoskins Satutu, you I, your head. Tutu, I would be in, I think, the top four. Yeah. Because Tutu's, right. he's killed it compared to Satutu, Satutu doing nothing. Harry, when are we um when are we coming out with the draft rugby book uh, from Nelson? The I would have killed it when. <sighs> The fine lines. I would have been in the finals if, but you know, um, fine lines. Now I will say, uh, you know, you had pains talking about uh, Jackson Garden Bashup. I'll say, Michael Collins. Don't like him, but um, he's, he's a hell, he's he's bearable as a center. You know, what I mean? he's definitely a center and not a fullback. I'll say that he, much. He's the one player that has entered my team and become better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know where it's come from. That, I was desperate when I picked him up and he's been good. That is probably the most incredible fact about Michael Collins right there. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not even Nelson could ruin him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Clark, to, 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 to everyone. Let's move it on to the third game and we'll let Nelson finish off with the um, last Kiwi game of the. Um, <clears> sounds good. Um, the Reds and the Rebels. Uh, Three tries to zero. The Reds took this one 19 to three. And there's only really one point that needs to be talked about for this entire game. It was the battle of the one and only Pony, Fa'awasili and Taniela Tupo. 
That's the only narrative that was of any interest to anyone, not just prop lovers such as myself. And did it deliver? So it bloody delivered. It was fantastic. Um, they were both just... And there was once or twice they did come together in big, big clashes, but... In battering rams. Oh, mate. The scrums, that was incredible. The, that was going to be one of the real big tests for the Rebels. The, I'm surprised that... I'm surprised the scrum... And, uh, I'm surprised the scrum didn't just, like, turn because they were both on the opposite sides and they didn't just rotate the scrum every single time. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I, I thought this would have been one of the scrums we might see someone just pop up into the middle of the, the air, turn into a line-out, you know what I mean? Just the scrum line-out. Just, um, but no, uh, look, all right, returning in this one, Jordan Pattaya was back uh, for Harry. How good. Um, he returned just after missing last week uh, because he had a, his father passed away, unfortunately. And, um, wow, they love having Jordan Pattaya back. He looked incredible. Um, it looked like their first half strategy was get the ball to Pattaya. I was loving it. It's like they've heard our podcast before because we've said that the Reds' entire strategy should be get Jordan Bataille the ball. Um, and they, they, were, they were doing that. So, no. Um, yeah, uh, otherwise injured in this one, Hunter Paisami did an MCL. Uh, James O'Connor bruised his sternum. Don't know what that entails, really. Uh, and Matty Tumua. On the sternum. It's actually, yeah. I'll tell you what it's from. It's because he ran the ball so much. James O'Connor made 14 runs for 110 metres. It's crazy for a fly. I don't reckon it was the running that hurt his sternum. It might have been getting tackled or something along those lines. Well, generally, to, if, Nelson, if you want me to explain how fantasy rugby works for you, you only get a run counted if you, make, if you get tackled. Uh, if you pass the ball, it doesn't count. Just I still don't think it was the running that hurt him. Yeah, so the run ended in some contact. To be fair, that's why Richie Moe never gets tackled because he never gets sorry, injured because he never gets tackled. That's true. Well, yeah, all right. Um, and Matty Tamua, he went out there to hit a few people, but there were a lot more physical Reds players. So um, he suffered a concussion. I don't remember the exact incident, but it was probably Neither several. He does not remember it either. Uh, that was <laughs> the one that looked pretty serious. They ended up going off and giving him a scan and looking for a serious neck injury. He's, as well, and he's been like, passed. He's, yeah. he's passed the scan. He's mm-hmm. no, no serious neck injury. Yeah. Very good. Um, all right, so look, we've talked about uh, Pattaya. He was great. Jock Campbell was awesome as well. He just has that kind of... Uh, he just glides. He, he has that running, gliding style and just slices through some gaps. Um, so he's, he's been great for them. Uh, we talked about the scrums. Uh, they were pretty rock solid. Uh, the game really... Look, uh, all you need to know, the first half, um, it was kind of... There was a lot of forcings back, a lot of kicking for territory. Um, the Reds scored two tries. The Rebels just unable to. They had, I think it was one or two disallowed, two or three, I don't know, a few disallowed tries. Um, Nazarani, very unlucky. A massive scrum drive over, put it on James O'Connor's boot instead of grounding it. So that was, ended up knocking that one on. Um, but the second half was super interesting. Um, and there's really just one tweet from Greg Clark, the commentator that summarizes it. Um, and it was that the Reds had 9% possession in the entire second half. They had seven runs compared to the Rebels, 101, yet they were the team that scored, managed to score a try in the second half. That's absurd. Wowzers. Um, I mean, their, their defence was well, inspiring, to be honest. It was, it was some of the best I can ever remember seeing at Super Rugby level. It was at that level where, you know, like the England versus New Zealand at the, at the World Cup, obviously not against as class opposition, but it was just so brave and so physical. And It was, um, it was the second best defensive effort you'd seen on the weekend, wasn't it, Harry? 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Burren Air Rugby just pipped them. Uh, <laughs> the same stats as in the second half, I think. Yeah, but um, I mean, no, it was played by Taniela Tupo. Like, that guy, I, I just... You, you think that you can't be any more impressed by a prop than <laughs> does that. Like, oh, my God. We talked about the battle with him and Pony, and Pony's a freak, but Tupo was completely all over him. Like, he's just... He won every single contact throughout the entire game in attack, in defence, at the ruck, and at the scrum. It's, it's unbelievable. He's, he's the best prop in the world. He's 100% the best prop in the world. He, he has to start for the Wallabies, and he has just matured so much, it's ridiculous. And he's 24, guys. He's 24. Like, he could have another eight years easily at, that, at, at Wallabies level, you know? Like, maybe not because he's too big. Like, I don't know how long a man of that size can play for at that level, but he has got to be starting for the Wallabies. That's true. Look, you know, you know how exciting he is if it's not even me talking him up the whole time. Um, I think one of the keys thing you've just said about him starting, whilst we've had, uh, you know, Brumby's captain and Wallaby's veteran, Alan Alatoa, on the podcast, and he is fantastic. And A we legend. said one of the top three <laughs> props in the world. Um, I think you can cast aside any doubt about Tupo being an impact player at the end of the game because Brad Thorne has played him for practically 80 minutes every game the last two years or so. So... Yeah. The man can play the whole game. Not a not an issue. Um, so. Absolutely. And hey, a uh, um, quick shout out. I was going to say Jock Campbell as well. How good the grubber across field in his own try line to set up. Uh, I think it ended up in a try, didn't it? May have. Not sure. Either way, it was a huge break. It was just so good. Sorry, I was trying. I was desperately trying to find just then um, how many tries Tupo scored because he has. He's definitely leading for like props in Super Rugby, I think. But he's. Uh, like he's, he's heading into like forwards, <laughs> forward top try scorers. You know, Scott Higginbotham, I think, from the Reds had has leads the uh, most most tries scored by any forward. But I reckon Tubo's going to head up there. So, I, um, finger obviously is someone right up there, right as well. But can, um, can I just float an idea to you guys? So, as far as you know, Alan Alatoa for quite some time in his uh, younger years, up up until being professional, was a loose head prop. Can we shift him back to loose head prop? Because he is he is playing over CO by far, and in, in, in I think everything on the on the field. And yes, we have got Slipper there as well. You got other guys coming through with all, but I mean, he he's we want him on the field as much as we can. Look, I'm sure I'm, we can transition back. I'm not going to lie. That's that's not the worst idea, Nelson. Um, that is, I'm I'm about that. So I'm just surprised that I'm agreeing with you on something. So um, <laughs> that is no, that's great. But um. Look, in rounding out this game, uh, Brett Cronin, fantastic TMO. I think the commentators were saying George Ayub should be looking over his shoulder. Mate, George Ayub should be looking over his shoulder for the last few years because if I ever see that, man, I swear to God, he's the worst TMO that exists. But, um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so the, the stats in the second, we've said the, the carries and everything, but, yeah, Rebels had 88% possession, 94% territory. <laughs> that is insane. If you don't win a game with those stats in the second half, what are you doing? You haven't played footy. Um, run meters 377 to 617 uh, that's the Reds to the Rebels so the Rebels almost double um, oh, wait, hold on the Rebels didn't make as many run meters with 85% possession or whatever it was compared to either the Highlanders or the Hurricanes in their game yep that's, that's correct um, speaks volumes um, tackle bus 20 to 29 so the Reds still had more tackle bus as well with no carries Fair enough. Um, it was uh, 13 to 6 penalties. Um, yeah, 
That'll do for the game stats. Fantasy stats. Fantasy man of the match, Matty Phillip, 62 points, 20 runs for 80 metres. Two tackle busts, an offload, and five tackles. So he uh, he really got through some work. Normally he makes a lot, lot of tackles, but he really got through the carries for the Rebels. Just uh, obviously for he, he got all of their metres, 80 of their 200, <laughs> 300-something metres. Um, Brandon Pangramosa, 55 points, even after a yellow card, did bag himself a try. So um, Harry was cheering. It was an up-and-down moment for Harry there. Um, James O'Connor, 48 points. As I mentioned, big game from him. Um, the battle for the the, Australia, the Wallabies fly half, uh, you know, is, is, is still on. Tamua or um, James O'Connor. Uh, or, or Harrison. Or Harrison, yep. Uh, Taniela Tupo, 47 points. Lukan Salakai Loto, 47 and for the Rebs, Cameron Orr and Frank Lamani. And Cameron Orr is someone who's Harry's talked up a little bit. Look, he's, he's been great, actually. So um, he's someone to watch for the future. All right, Nelson, the Blues Crusaders game. Boom, cancelled. Thank you, Nelson. Um, and we are now on to our main course. <laughs> Harry, mate, how dare you cut Harry off? He said he was going to do all the Kiwi games. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that one. Had a lot You're to such say, a pig. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Very good. Um, well... You have to read it in the OG League blog, but um, some some of our drafters didn't get the message that uh, the Blues-Crusaders game may not be on. And in fact, doubled down. I believe Wiley decided to have, uh, I think it was nine players in that game. No, they, they didn't. Um, it's not that. It, it was Wiley just knew that he couldn't make a full side. So his best chance of winning was to pray that the game went through. And so he just loaded up on that team, knowing that if they did play, he had fantastic, fantastic players. He lived and died by the virus. He did. And it's cost him a place in the finals. He was number three last week. So bad. All right. Now, for main course, let's look at uh, Super Rugby AU round eight. Um, The buy will be the Rebels. Um, They need to go back and learn how to play some rugby. And um, the first game will be the Force and the Reds. Who would like to kick us off with this one? Nils? Yeah, look, I'll happily start us off. Um, in terms of the people we're expecting to return, Alex Murphy, we're expecting he will return to the starting side, well, not the starting side, ret- return to the squad for the Reds. Um, I just want to point out, do you guys know the guy that filled in for him on the weekend, Sean Farrell, made his debut. He is now the fastest Reds forward who took that over, I think it was over 10 metres or no, it was to his top speed. Took that from the Tongan Thor, the previous fastest Reds forward. And they're talking about his speeds are just absolutely absurd. Yeah. Well, since it's, he's taking something from the Tongan Thor, I'm going to um, pretend it didn't happen and find out how to wipe that from the record book so that remains the Tongan Thor's. <laughs> to be fair, he weighs half of the Tongan Thor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, no one can weigh as much as the Tongan Thor, but he is a hooker. But look, this, this last game was... 24-31 to the Reds. So the Force were very much in this. It was four tries apiece. Um, the, the biggest telling stat for me is that the Reds had double the tackle busts, 34-17. to 17. So although the game was pretty close, obviously the, the Force needed to, uh, you know, buckle down in, in their defence a little bit because that is atrocious numbers. And the Force lost... Four to fourteen lineouts, four or fourteen lineouts. Yep. Um, so yeah, another thing that we've said has been pretty weak for them. It was pretty weak for it's, them last weekend. It's not a bad matchup for them though. Like the Reds are, are obviously struggling at, at uh, lineout time as well. I know four from fourteen uh, losses is is not great, but it's a 
truckload better than what they've been doing against the other sides. I was about to say, so 4 from 14 was last time against the Reds, but uh, they've gotten worse since then. Last week, they lost eight lineouts against the Tars, as we mentioned before. So they're going to need to do something in that area because losing, giving away eight sets of lineout possession is just too much. Like, well, lineouts uh, are such a great platform. You can't be giving that away. This could, be well, uh, could well be the game where we see teams just going for scrums because neither of them can actually line out properly. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. Um, look, Jake, uh, is it Jake Strawn? Strachan. Uh, yeah, no one knows how to say his name. I think Jake Strawn, if, you, if you're going off the Scottish, uh, the Scottish pronunciation, he was actually really quite good on his, his debut, I think. Uh, Jack McGregor came on the last 10, last 10 or so, was it? Or last, last he, quarter? He played the last he, 20, but he came on at, at fly half. And, and played fly half. But do you guys think that uh, Strawn did enough? He, he was quite good there at 15. Look, I, th- I think he probably did. Um, like McGregor, I- I'm a big fan of McGregor. and I thought he'd been great throughout the season. But um, no, Strawn had a really good game. He just looked really settled. Um, he was always in the right areas of the field, you know, defensively. And there's a few times, look, he put, a little, he put a, this awesome little chip through, regathered it perfectly. And he set up quite a few... Um, offensive play. So I thought he was really good and I think he might well have earned himself another start, which, um, you know, we'll see. McGregor would be, he's great to have on the bench because he's been a fly half most of his career. Um, he now applies his trade at fullback, but, um, you know, he's, it's awesome having him on the bench to come in and, and inject anywhere. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I think it just depends if he, uh, if they were just giving him some game time or if he's actually pushing for a regular starting spot. But he did play yeah. well. Yeah, I'm quite a fan of Jack McGregor, to be fair. I'd, I'd like to see him back in that starting side. Um, look, that, that centre pairing finally sort of clicked a little bit more for them. I know everything didn't go their way on the weekend, but we did see some some positives coming out of Godwin and Kahui. Um, Kahui, as, as we spoke about a little bit earlier, he actually really got quite involved um, and it was, it was really good to see. Um, and, and Godwin, I think he had a really solid game. Do you, do you think these guys can, can reproduce what they did, I think, individually and, and, you know, that better connection between them on the weekend? Well, I, look, I think Kahui, some of the skills he was showing was absolute class um, and just fantastic. But Godwin, I mean, that's got to be Godwin's standout performance um, of, I don't know, in, in Super Rugby. Yeah. Uh, I, I think maybe it was just the kind of audition for the Rotars were joining next week. He's like, but he was great. For me, it was whether he can reproduce that form because he he was into everything. That's the most hungry I've ever seen him. He's, he went looking and he really got into, like, was making some brilliant carries um, all over the shop. But Kahui, I thought I put a note in here just in case we didn't talk about it in the review. But, um, mate, he's 35 years old and he ran down winger Alex Newsom to uh, stop a, a try. I mean, Newsom had been going slowly up in my books purely because he happened to be on my roster and scoring tries. But um, he got the ball with heaps of space and he got ran down by old man fisherman Kahui. Um, it was ridiculous. So Kahui's still, he's still hungry. The thing for me is Kahui's defence is still physical, but he doesn't run the same hard lines he used to. Yeah. He really expanded his game. And, and I think you're right. You mentioned his short kicking game, I think, has been excellent for them. Yeah. I just think if there's a game where you probably don't want to be putting short kicks in, it's to Jock Campbell and Pattaya and to Dungunu. Like, uh, they're a dangerous, dangerous back three if they're not pinpoint accurate. So, you know, I, I think that's an opportunity for them for sure with how well his short kicking game has been. But mm. it could really be uh, a dangerous way to play as well. 
off the back of that, I actually, I think it would probably be a great game to bring, I don't think they will, but Nick Juiced back in. Because um, I, I thought he was, he'd been absolutely brilliant. But also, if you want some territory as well, he's, he has a cannon of a boot, um, Nick Juiced. So I thought um, it could be a good, good shout to bring him back in for that. But, yeah, but they're not going to, surely they won't play him over Kahui. No, I, I can't see them doing it. But um, no, I just think that's a, it's a good point. He, he's a strong ball carrier, very strong defensively as well. But I think I mean, maybe maybe they can play Juice to give him a, a go. Or, or you know, hmm. someone needs to have a go over John O'Lent at ten. You know, everyone was singing his praises when he first came in to the side for the Western Force. But I think we're starting to see his biggest weakness at a ten, and that is he always wants to play flat. He doesn't yeah. pick the tempo of the game. He threw another intercept. Yep. Uh, on the week weekend, the right to left, and and. Uh, Obviously, Maddox just picked it up and, and ran away That's with it. And it was so obvious. Like mm. he was trying, he's trying to throw a double cut out to a winger when it was a three on two, and Maddox just knew it was coming. Everyone knows he plays flat, even off slow ball, and everyone knows he wants to throw the glory cut out. I, I think he's making too many yeah. really costly er- errors, and I think McGregor just... or Juiced or someone has to be an option to try and take some of that time away. And it's probably why we saw McGregor get twenty minutes as well. Yeah, I think um, at this level, Lance just, he doesn't seem to mix his game up well enough. It's it's great intent to want to play flat, but if you're doing it game after game, and, and in rugby, Super Rugby AU, these guys are only, you know, having to watch four other sides and, and see how they're playing, you know. Like, it's not hard in the in this sort of period of time to pick up his, his faults, and that's he's just not mixing it up. So it's quite an easy thing to pick off, I think. Uh, there will also potentially be some changes in that that red centre pairing because um, with Paysami's injury, we might see Patea slot into that 13 jersey. Um, and, and then we could have Bryce Hegarty come back in a fullback. Jock Campbell go back to the to the wing, even though I prefer him definitely in that, that wing spot. Um, but I think that's probably going to offer a little bit of a different sort of uh, attacking point, focal point. As you said, we want to, they want to give... Uh, Patea the ball as much as possible um, so getting you in that little bit tighter as well and I, I think that's a positive for them. I think the flip side is Josh Fluke that came in off the bench for Paisami stood up I think his defence was physical I think he looked pretty solid he's only 18 years old you know they, they always say in the commentary he was the captain of the under 18 side that beat New Zealand last year he, he's a very talented outside centre and if there's ever an opportunity to give him a run it's obviously against the force as well so it wasn't a fluke then. Nice, mate. Nice. Yeah, so I, I didn't actually understand that his position was in the centres. I thought he was back three. Yeah, no, he's an outside centre. Okay, no, there you go. And then just checking, isn't it? CFS is uh, no no chance. He's still uh, that injured. We ha- we've heard nothing more about his calf tear. So I, I think it's only been what two or three weeks. So yeah, it hasn't been long. Yeah, right. uh, unlikely at this stage, I would say. For me, I think another thing is Wilson's been a little bit quiet of late. I know you guys disagreed with me last time I said this. He he was involved a fair bit in some uh, in his tackling on the weekend, but just hasn't been making you know those barnstorming runs and and breaking the line and and throwing offloads like he had in in previous weeks. Um, this is a game that that back row for the force. They're going to really want to keep that trend going. You don't want to see him bounce back and have a massive week because it's going to be pretty tough on them. Um, for the Reds, they also had yeah. Mick Wright slot back into that back row, and he was immense. He, he was absolutely brilliant. I, I thought. Um, is he fast so, becoming your favourite player? 
Mate, he, he probably was before he took the field, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm just a big fan of Mick Wright. And uh, to see him and, and McDermott get the start, I think that was two very important things for them. Mind you, I think Angus Scott Young has been quite good and, and he's been, it's probably been a good dynamic in that back row with him there. But uh, Mick Wright for me is definitely earned another start. That's it. And I think the force will just have to take a page out of the, uh, the Waratahs book, Lockie Swindon particularly. Um, was just all over Harry Wilson, just giving him no time or space. Uh, he just made it his mission in that game to have mark him up every time he was in, in line for a carry. So that's uh, the force have got some big back rowers who are more than capable of doing that. They just have to, um, to really get on him. So, boys, how do you see this one going? Um, Can you see well, anything other than what, what we're uh, all expecting? I see the Reds winning this game. Um, How much? I reckon the Reds will win it by 14 points. Sorry? Yeah, I mean, it's it's in Queensland. It's on the Sunshine Coast, right? So it's a short drive down the road for them. It's not really a tough trip for them as it would have been if they were still in the Hunter or something like that and, the, and Queensland had to fly. So I think that's definitely a, um, a big plus for Queensland Reds. And I think it's going to take a brave man to tip the forces first win successfully. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to go Reds. And I, I reckon the same. I think they're going to start, the force will start to get a bit weary from being away from home for so long and start that the scores are starting to pile up on them. I'm going to go 16 points. Yeah, I, I'm I'm similar in that mindset. I think it's getting away from them. Whereas the Reds, they they really put a a good good sort of full full match in in um, in terms of attack, defence, and, and what they're offering around the paddock. I'm going to say Reds by 22. And I put it out there: if the Reds lose this game, they don't play finals. They'd have to beat both the Brumbies and the Rebels in the run home. It's not going to happen. No. This, of course, being a forced home game in the Sunshine Coast. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, just trying to get as close as possible to the sun to replicate Perth, really. That's about it. Um, yeah. um, excellent. All right. Well, let's get on to the second fixture of the weekend. Second and only, or second and there's no yes. more fixtures. Um, uh, the Brumbies and the Waratahs. Harry, do you want to um, run us through this game? Yeah. So we've got a, a few people with a, a bit of an injury cloud over their head. I think Catherine Neville uh, ha- has missed a few weeks in a row now. You mean Caden Neville? Or- yeah. Yeah. Kateran? Kaden, yeah. That's the man. Who cares? No, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. Credit to him. He's been okay this year. Um, he, uh, there, there's some mixed stuff on the internet saying that, you know, he'd flown to Japan and now has come back and has been training with the side for two weeks. That doesn't really add up. I feel like that's probably false. I think he probably picked up an injury in the first week or two of Super Rugby AU. But if he is back training with the side then obviously uh, I expect him to come back probably by the bench. I think uh, Darcy Swain and Nick Frost have been really good and they'll keep giving them game time. They obviously yeah. see those two as the future. Uh, Tom Ross as well. I, I doubt he'll be on the bench even if he's fit. I think he was only in there because CEO was injured. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. So he had that bad concussion. But, you know, again, it's been a couple of weeks. So you'd expect if he is available, then uh, if Scott Sear is not, then he'll be on the bench. My mistake, it was Slipper. See, I was there. See, we're starting. Um, Still haven't seen the guy I was excited about, Sham Beckler-Bui. Haven't seen him all season. Yeah, it's because... Shouldn't have left the Tars, mate. What are you going to do? Oh, well. And then uh, Rob Valentini as well. He limped off the field a couple of weeks ago before the bye, and we just heard nothing. And 
I mean, generally, I feel like Super Rugby AU has been pretty good with their announcements and the Brumbies especially. So the fact that we've heard nothing means I, I, I feel like he's more than likely going to be okay to play, but we just do, we don't really know. Still, still not as good as the Stormers sending us their direct um, injury report press releases. Um, yeah, yeah, the other teams right. need to still take notes from them. Pick up your game, Super Rugby <laughs> AU. The last time these guys played, the Brumbies got up 24 to 23. And I think this was a, a testament to the Waratahs not knowing how to win a game more than anything else. They were the dominant, dominant side for 50 or 60 minutes. And then they just refused to put any points on the board with their dominance in the last 20 to 30. And the Brumbies managed to snatch one at the death. And I, I think it was a real blueprint for the other teams on how to play the, uh, the Brumbies this year. And, you know, if they can repeat the kind of form that they showed last week and the first time they played the Brumbies, then they're in with a really, really good shout. Um, despite me saying that, you know, the stats were definitely in the Brums' favour last time. I think they had almost 60% of possession. They they had 450 to 300 run metres, you know, 27 to 15 tackle busts. So they were really good at running the ball, but they couldn't get the ball over the line because the Waratahs just fronted up physically. So it's going to be a big test for the Waratahs' defence, and, and I think that's where the game will be uh, made or, or lost for the Waratahs. But this was, of course, this was pre-Jake Gordon Waratahs. So uh, I call it the Jake Gordon renaissance uh, for the Waratahs. Uh, his return has seen them playing some proper rugby. Well, he's averaging two tries a game since he's come back. He is. In fact, denied last week. Uh, ridiculous. But um, no, uh, yeah. So we've now got the attacking weapon um, back. That's the flare. The tinder and has been ignited. Look, the, the Tars have got two games left. They've got this and they've got the Rebels. And uh, I think it's pretty obvious that they need to win one of those two games with four teams pushing for three spots in the final. Yeah. One, one win, I think, pretty almost assures them a spot, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah 100% it does. Yeah. yeah. So if they can get a bonus point win, then they would, they would be locked in, I think it is. Um, so <clears throat> I, I think that's a big one. But at the same time, like the Brumbies, who have been pretty comfortable all season, if they lose this, then most likely, if the Reds get a win, going to find themselves down in third place as well. So it's a big game with a lot of the line, on the line as we get towards the kind of pointy end of this Super Rugby AU season. Uh, and, and I think both teams won't be lacking motivation on the back of that. You know, the Brumbies have had two weeks to, uh, to kind of work out what the hell went wrong for them two weeks ago against the Rebels. Is that right? Uh, Rebels. I love yeah. that. You got a fifty percent chance. The rare. Yeah. <laughs> the Reds the definitely in. didn't beat them. Yeah, but anyway, so so I mean, uh, there's a, there's as the Reds showed last week. You know, having two weeks to try and right the wrongs of a big loss is uh, is definitely something that uh, can turn a team around. Waratahs. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm a bit. I'm a bit slow on cutting it. I was just going to say the uh, the importance of um, finishing top in the the conference is because uh, it's the top three that go through, and the top team gets a rest while the uh, two and three play it out for the right to play the uh, minor premiers. So yeah. that's a big deal. Really. Well, the Waratahs might have to throw one because they don't want to have a buy and then a rest week off as well. They won't play for two weeks. They're <laughs> <laughs> all going holiday. It's true. Yeah. So you got HJH. I reckon we all reckon he's going to get a start again. I think they were just kind of rotating him out, um, give him a, bit, a little bit of a rest. So he should come back in. He's been excellent. Great to get off the bench again. If you've got a man that you want to give the ball to, two metres out to try and burrow over the line, it seems to be him at the moment. He's just got this knack of getting himself through the line and over. Uh, to me, the one that I, I, I would really like to see from the Brumbies if they're going to you know pull their, their trump card is Nick White. 
been training yep. with the side for two or three weeks now. Mm. Um, I don't believe that they'll start him. I think it is just too much of a kick in the guts to Joe Powell, but bringing him on for 30, 35 minutes to close the game out with his superior kicking game as well, especially when you've got a, a team that so heavily relies on a on field position like the Brumbies, I think he'll be massive for them if they can get him on the park. Mm, that box kick. Yeah, great. And speaking of the kicking games, you've got Jake Maddock, Jack Maddox sorry, and James Ram, who have been kicking very well, Will Harrison as well. You've got Tom Banks, who has been kicking these huge, uh, huge touch finders for penalty as well. There's going to be a, a good kicking battle in this one. And I think the line-out's going to play a really, really important role off the back of that as well. So obviously the Brumbies scoring a fair few of their tries from rolling malls. Hmm. And uh, the Tars, I, I think, with probably the best defensive line-out in Super Rugby AU by a pretty decent margin. I think Ned Hannigan and yeah. Ross Simmons have been pretty exceptional in that area, um, which, you know, there's not and a lot of areas, areas who would normally be associated with that word. So excellent <laughs> from them in that regard. Um, and, and look, I think I, I mentioned the Waratahs defence earlier as well. If they can front up, I think the backup plan for the Brumbies has to be they're rolling more. So I, I think that's a huge, huge weapon for them. And if the war, you know, the two key areas for me in this game are the Waratahs defense in uh, tackling and the Waratahs defensive line out as well. So huge, huge uh, factors for this game for me. Yep. Yeah, I think the um, the importance of Maddox and Ram, that kicking game is going to be huge. You just, you can't lose a territory battle to the Brumbies. Um, that's mm. That's where the game will be won or lost for mine, really. Um, if, you, if they're down that end, then they're going to get they're going to get them some lineouts, and um, they're going to get over. Hmm. You guys, uh, I don't think you're going to necessarily lean the way that I'm leaning here. I think my uh, New South Welshmanness is going to come out here. I think that the Brumbies have definitely looked like they they've got a few little issues. They haven't been as clinical as as they have in the past. So for me. The, the Tars are buzzing. The Tars are, are, you know, this is going to be their best chance to, to get a win over the Brumbies in a long time. And, and they know they need a win here to, to make the finals. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Tars take this one by a kick in the uh, the final five minutes. Will Harrison's kicking absolutely everything. So I think it's going to be a kick that wins it. They're going to win within three points. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's it for me. I might be dreaming. Mate, no, look, I, I actually, again, this is the second time in one podcast, perhaps ever, that I've said I'm going to agree with Nelson Dale. Um, I think, look, yeah, as you said, the Brumbies have not been the clinical team we thought they were. A lot of chinks in the armour, you know. They, Yes, their line-out mall is fantastic, but the rest of their set piece um, and just their composure hasn't quite been there is how I felt about it. So, um I'm going to back the Tars, the Jake Gordon Renaissance, mate. The um, just that he literally has—it's like he has lit a fire under their ass. Just the attack, <laughs> like twofold. Everyone is keen. He's got all these options, bodies in motion, um, and he just—the difference he makes in keeping the defence honest around the ruck is enormous. Um, and he just knows, you know, when to to test them and runs these awesome supporting lines. So. I've got the Waratahs jersey back on, the Fairweather fans. Um, I'm calling it for the boys. The Waratahs by seven. I I hope you're right, but I am going to disagree. Uh, you know, the Brumbies have been a bit off the pace, but they're a, a very well-drilled club. I think two weeks is a long time for them to kind of turn their form around. And 
I think this might be the uh, the kickstart to the rest of their season as, as you know, the clear favourites for the competition. I think we might get to see why this week, despite the Waratahs, you know, having improved a lot. Um, I, I also think the Waratahs are a very inexperienced team. When they play well, they seem to back it up with a bad game after that. I don't think... <clears throat> I don't think the Western Force quite counts as two good games in a row, despite them playing reasonably well. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm choking myself up here, taking the Waratahs <laughs> might lose. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, look, I, I know when they played really well against the Brummies last week and they, you know, despite the loss, they were really happy with themselves and Rob Simmons was really critical about the fact that they were happy with that loss. They, uh, they didn't show up the next week and they got absolutely dusted by the Rebels. I think it was 10 to 29, but they were never in it. And my, my worry is that that will happen again and the Brumbies will just be a little bit too clinical. Yeah, look, I think it's one of the last four matches, uh, one of the last five matches that the Tars, or, or even six, you know, that the Tars haven't been either winning or very close. They, have, they had one slip up against the Rebels and I think that's the only time they really have slipped up. But, yeah, I mean, it, I feel it's very much like the easy money to go for the Brumbies. I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but I think if it's the, the Tars are just putting things together, they needed, they needed this boost and they needed something to click, and it has happened. So if, if this is not the time that they come buzzing into this game, come out of those gates firing and try to take a, a bit of a lead early on against the, the Brumbies, which is something we know the Tars have always been able to do, even when they've struggled. They've still been able to, you know, get that first try or two early on in the match and, and start to take a bit of a lead. That it's just, for me, they are the scissors to the, the Brumbies' paper in, in the sense with their line-outs and, and their defence. You know, the driving more isn't going to be something that the Brumbies can fall back on because the, the Tars know how to, to steal a line-out. So it's a, it's a big call and I'm surprised Kagi backed me, but let's, let's throw our money on the Tars for once. That's a, well, I mean, every time. But let's hope, hope that they get us a big win this time. I, I, you know, the one guy I'm surprised we got this far without mentioning, Jack Dempsey, his return to form has been insane. That's yeah, it's been really disappointing for a long stretch on the back of a couple of injuries to the last few weeks. He's been fantastic. He's been brilliant. Yeah, I agree. And look, the, the, the strongest point of this game is uh, you said something about only four or five games. I thought you were going to say there's only a handful of games left that we have to endure watching Rob Simmons play because um, he's taking <laughs> off. So, um, you know, uh, that's he's what I'm excited good. about. I stand, I've said it a few times. This been time. I've been really impressed with him. I think he's been really good for the Waratahs. Oh, sorry, we're experiencing technical difficulties. Harry's talking some nonsense. So we might move on to... Um, you can bleep that one out. Yeah. <laughs> this is a family uh, podcast, mate. We can't have that kind of language. <laughs> right? um, all right. No, and uh, with that, um, on that bombshell, uh, let's move on to Deserto. What's a gun do with that? Deserto. And for desserts, uh, we're going to do two things. We're going to t- look at the top three performers. In each position, the three fantasy performers based on their total points over the seasons. Uh, well, the Super Rugby Ultra Rugby complete season and eight rounds, seven rounds so far of Super Rugby AU. Um, and then we're going to look at what teams they came from. And then we'll finish off by um, just taking you through how our fantasy final series works. Um, and uh, look, Harry can explain the finals playoffs and Nelson can explain the Spoons uh, spoon playoffs. So, uh, as as the play, the managers most accustomed to those formats. 
Correct. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, Nell, since you um, teed, this up, teed this up for us, how about, do you want to kick us off um, with our yeah. top fantasy performers? Yeah, that's, that's uh, something I can do here, mate. I wrote all their names on it, but we'll ignore that. Um, look, what I think we're doing really is just the three top points of the season, right? So, yes, there's a few things. The Brumbies and Blues didn't play on the back end. Some teams have had more buys than others. That is all not taken into consideration. And we're just looking at who over these seven weeks got you the most points if you picked them up. So, in the outside backs column, the man that, I mean, this is surprising. Not because of his class, but because of the amount of matches he actually started. Not something we were necessarily necessarily picked. Will Jordan is the top outside back with 287 points, followed up by Jordy Barrett with 260 and Jonah Narecki with 251. I'm happy to say I'm not surprised. How many games did he start? I feel like Will have started most games. He actually started all bar one. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I, I suppose a season-ending injury to Hivili was a little bit helpful. I had to make some phone calls, put some phone calls in to make that happen. But um, look, you know, we here we are today. <laughs> so, um, Harry, do you want to take us to the centres then? Yeah. Wow. Well, I I can't believe this, especially when I traded him away for Braden Enor, who I got one average game out of. Ida <laughs> Umanga Jensen top scored for the centres with two hundred and six points. Now, the man that was in second was clearly going to be first if he didn't break his hand. Nani Lamape with 190 points just behind him. And Jack Goodhue, surprisingly 167. I didn't think his form was too good for the first half of Aotearoa. But, uh, yeah, he came home strong and he hogged the ball and threw a lot of offloads. So. It's not, yeah. not a lot of points in that centres column. I think that's why we, we find him there, you know. Like, that 191's not huge. Hmm. Well, no, not at all. Especially when Narecki got 251 and he played a fair few games off the bench as well. Yeah. I'll say um, Peter Umunga Jensen's definitely growing on me. I was a huge fan of uh, his brother, Thomas Umunga Jensen, for the Highlanders. And um, Why? I mean, I've said, I said maybe a year ago, I can't wait to have both of them as my fantasy centres, just have the Umunga Jensen's. Um, I just never met. But Peter Umunga Jensen is huge. He, he is so physical. Um, and Aren't they identical twins? I think so. But... Um, I don't know if they are. They're both massive, though. They definitely look very similar and are brothers. We've got that much information for you. That's the kind of detail you can expect on this podcast. Um, but no, Lau Marpe, is he, is he going to be uh, robbed of an All Blacks jersey again? Um, or do you think he'll, uh, by the time they can play some test footy, he's still in with a shot? Because he's definitely perhaps the form back of New Zealand rugby at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. Call, I mean, I mean I, I don't, it just depends if they fit their game plan, right? Like Anton Leonard-Brown has still been solid. Jack Goodhue has been excellent and looks like he wants to be a 12 moving forward. So I think mm. Jack Goodhue probably fits the mould of, of the All Blacks kind of team game a little bit better. And, I mean, Peter Umunga-Jensen probably isn't in that conversation just yet. Just yet. Just you wait. No. Um, very good. All right, well, I'll, I'll jump in with fly halves then. Um, only a few points ahead of everyone, um, just a couple. Um, <laughs> the Van is the top fantasy player, and my first pick uh, was Richie Mawanga, 384 points. You could at least pronounce his name right. Mawanga. Well, look, um, Richie's happy for me to say his name in whichever <laughs> so way I please. Incorrect. Um, uh, anyway, that's huge from a fly half. I mean, he kicks all his goals. He, he's not afraid to like just run the ball 
whenever he pleases. Um, and he's in the best team in world rugby. So what else can you really want? Um, That's a very good point, David Kagrig. Thank you. Um, <laughs> a man who perhaps if it was in the same team would be doing as well. No, uh, Will Harrison, 226 points. He's incredible. Let's, like, let's just take a second to appreciate that he's just, he's just turned 20. Um, he's just come off a, you know, under 20s campaign. Um, and, and he's just taken the mantle of uh, a super rugby team on his shoulders and has really been, you know, the, one of the shining light for the Waratahs. The way he's controlled around that group of men, um, he's kicked 27 from 29 goals. Um, he has been absolutely outstanding. So he's, um, he's definitely developed throughout this and his, his understanding of, you know, when to attack the line, when to play flat, when to play a little bit deeper. I think something for me, I think that's developed a little bit more through this. I think at the start of the... He plays too deep. Uh, he does still play too deep. I, I do agree with that. But he, at the start of the season, he never really seemed to take the line anywhere near as much as he has throughout the back end. So he's definitely developing into that. And how good is it to see a Aussie kicker with a percentage like that? 93%. It's very refreshing. I think it, it, there's been a lot of um, comparisons drawn to a young Bernard Foley. Um, I guess they're of a similar stature, but um, just the just no, the yeah. running game is 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 a little similar. Um, but uh, I mean, if we're talking about the latest of Bernard Foley, um, Will Harrison at least his kicks for touch go out, and his t- kicks for goal go in. So um, mm-hmm. huge pluses for the youngster. Um, and <laughs> rounding us out, we have Mitch Hunt, the um, the man who went down to Dunedin for a chance at a starting jersey to not get a starting jersey. Um, Josh Iwani t- usurping him but uh, he started managed to start a couple of games there and then in at fullback which we weren't too sure about but uh, look I think he was a fantastic fullback as well um, certainly proved us wrong in that regard yeah. um, he was yeah. 191 points I think he's a, he's a class player he's just you know that, that one yard off being as quick as someone like you know, uh, Josh Iwani or someone to, to take that first spot I think he's got all the skills he's just that tiny bit lesser version Mm, the little legs, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and look, we've got a special, special shout out here to uh, Harry Plummer, um, who managed to bag minus 18 points from four matches, um, which is, look, that's of a Nick Phipps type um, record uh, there. That's um, pretty... The most, the most impressive thing of that is, I think he got two positive scores and he got a minus 18 in one of his games and another minus in his other game. Was he? Did he feature heavily in your fantasy team? Because I mean, just he should have. But he didn't score any big scores before. If he did, then he would have been in my team. Fantastic. All right. Well, how about we jump on to Scrum Halves, uh, Nelson? Yeah. Look, I think this is the the second player player of the season here. Aaron Smith with three hundred and eight. That guy's all class, and he was brilliant throughout this this whole period. Uh, a guy that sits uh, a little bit back from him, Tate McDermott with 253. I just, he was heartbreaking for me, uh, getting dropped to the bench for a few weeks, weeks. It made absolutely no sense. And as soon as he comes back into that starting side, he was brilliant once again. And he was the top halfback until he went into uh, that, that bench spot. Into and then T- Sorry? Until he went into hiding. Yeah. And then uh, I think he must have got a hiding from Brad Thorne and that's why, why you could put it there. And then TJ Perinar, also a class act, playing a fair bit of fly half in the back end of games as well with 228. Can you guys remember just, I'd say after the first few games of Super Rugby Altaroa, 
it was like, uh, you know, it, it had felt like Aaron Smith and TJ Perinara had been getting closer and closer um, every year. And at the first few games, you thought TJ was absolutely crushing it. But Aaron Smith has just come back with a vengeance the second half of this season and has been yeah, one of the best players in world rugby in these last few games. He's been absolute class. Yeah, yep. it's the best form I can ever imagine seeing him. Like I can remember seeing him. And yep. I've agreed with many that he's been the best halfback in the world for the majority of the last 10 years. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. Very good. All right, Harry, do you want to jump into the back rows? Or should should I just say them since they're my players? So, oh, I think Harry would Harry be pumped if he was in... Harry would get hurt if he was in the back row, but go jump in, Harry. <laughs> True. Uh, look, Shannon Frizzell, 305, top scored for the back row. And I think this is something that all of us thought was possible, but none of us expected to actually happen. He's been really, really good in Aotearoa. And uh, it's been awesome to see him step up. I feel like he's got to be the favourite for the uh, the blindside flanker jersey for New Zealand now on the back of that. Second place was uh, the pre-season original Super Rugby uh, back row's top scorer, Artie Sevilla, with 255 points. It took him a few weeks to get going from his knee injury, but he's just been getting better and better. And I think it's fair to say he was probably about 100 points shy of what he would have been without a knee injury. So kind of back to his top form now. And Liam Wright with 249, captaining, captain in the Reds so, so well, um, just in absolutely everything and been batting some tries as well, which is probably a little bit out of character for him, but uh, has boosted up his score. Yep. And, and I think what's important with him is he's been just consistent. So he hasn't had, I don't think he's, he might have, but I don't think he's had any really blow the, the you know, the lights out type scores, but he's just been consistently performing Obviously, playing eighty minutes week in week out as captain, um, and but just yeah, he's been rock solid. But he's uh, he's forty point right. That's what he is. Forty average, forty one point average. How good! Um, all right. Well, I will do the locks then. We had uh, it was led by Lukan Salakai Loto with two hundred and fifty two points. I think he just identified that the Wallabies lock jersey is up for grabs and. Um, is probably now definitely his. So um, he has been great. Um, you know, or I think perhaps, um, I, don't, I don't know if he's quite got his body right, body height down enough Oops, yet. Yeah. Still call him the tall building, the way he runs into contact. But um, certainly no lack of physicality there under Brad Thorne's tutelage. Um, and he's been, he's been going from strength to strength. Uh, I think he's a lock and not a six, but that's for mine. Um, Matty Phillip, 210 points. You'd have to think uh, if... I think he is going overseas now, but if he wasn't, he would be the other favourite for the Wallabies uh, locking jersey. Mm. So he had 210 points. Um, Fergus Lee Warner, 204. So not very far behind. He has, he's been doing, it's been him and uh, Henry Stowers doing all of the carries and all of the work for the force. Um, He was a little quiet last week, but a couple of weeks before that, he was getting well over 50 point games, just getting through a mountain of carries and tackles. He's been very, very good. Uh, And, in a similar vein as to before, we have another special mention to uh, Jed Holloway. So <laughs> minus 14 points from two games. Um, so are we sure that's Jed Holloway? It's not Rob Simmons? Is that we? Okay, it's definitely sorry. Jed Holloway, mate. Okay, right. Rob Simmons has been good. Old mate Jed. All right. And um, I probably should have saved myself for props, but um, I forget who we're up to now. We're back to Harry or is it Nelson? Me, mate. Nelson? Yeah. It's, 
It's not that complicated. Ah, uh, look at Harry Johnson Holmes took this one out. Two hundred and three points. A guy that Harry's been frothing on, and I'm a huge fan of. And Kagi's confused about because he's not massive in Pacific Islander. Cameron or he uh, tied it up with Ofatunga Fasi with a hundred and fifty nine points, which is actually a fair bit of a drop off from HJH. Who I don't know if he started every game, did he? It was only the one game he started. He came off the bench, yeah. But look, Cameron Oren off at have been even on points, but I'm going to give the uh, starting position hands down to offer. Uh, his form has been yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And if you got if you got double points for bigger hits, um, he'd be oh. getting double points every yeah, day. Yeah. Him and Taniela Tupo, like if they're yeah. in the same team, you wouldn't run the ball, would you? <laughs> yeah, that's it. He also uh, he was unlucky to not get a game this weekend, which would have put him definitely uh, ahead of uh, Cameron Hall. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, hookers? Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, who Cody knows the most Taylor. about Hookers? Cody Taylor, Taylor. He, he decided he doesn't do lineouts anymore. But other than that, his running game has... I don't know about gone to a new level because it's always been very good, but he's so involved in the open play. It's, it's, it's just out of character for a front rower. I... I I know the game's going this way, but it's awesome to see him get better and better in the loose. So 255 points for him. And then the Prince that was promised. That was Sorry, that was Cody Taylor, by the way. I just think we were talking over you, so they might not have heard that. Yeah, right. And uh, the Prince that was promised. Can't believe you cut me off, mate, on your favourite lead into any player. The Prince <laughs> that was promised. Jordan Ulisi tied with Ash Dixon at 235 points. So narrowly behind as well. And, once again, I'm just going to give this bench spot to Ash Dixon because I don't believe Jordan Ulysses in the same ballpark. <laughs> no, I agree. What amazes me about Jordan Ulysses is that at least he has been playing each game this this season, but he still seems to be injured every game this season yeah. that he's just playing at least. Like, I don't know Cast what is... does an ankle or does something he's, every He's time. made a tinfoil or something, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what's going on, but... Um... A man that was, uh, I just want to give a special mention, not the special mentions Kagi's been giving out, but uh, to Tom Horton, he uh, he got an average of 35 with a few off the bench and he was only a little bit shy of Ash Dixon uh, in, in terms of things like points per minute, far above people like Jordan Ualisi, but he's been a guy that came out absolutely nowhere and I think he's been a, a real big positive for the Waratahs. And even more impressive that he did that in your fantasy team. Yeah, imagine how good he would have been <laughs> otherwise. Oh, I have to say, I really like him. Actually, I'm excited about him. It's a, it had been kind of uh, not not much to get excited about in the Waratahs hooking department for uh, a little bit. So um, I, the prospect of him excites me. But um, a very not commonly known fact, he's um, actually related to Olympian Mac Horton, um, the swimmer. Is so, that right? No, I just made that up. But, oh, I uh, <laughs> got him! Yeah, like, that's a great fact, Kagi. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize you had any good fact. Come we on, mate. We don't do any preparation for this podcast. Um, we were all right. talking early on in the year that the, the Waratahs needed to get one of those uh, Brumby stocks of hookers, but stuff them. They can all sit down there and not get any game time while we've got Horton running around. Angus Bell. I'll still take Lonigan. Um, we'll still we'll still have him, um, but. Uh, no, I'm excited about Horton for sure. All right. Well, with that, so we just went through the players. Uh, for those playing along at home, I don't know who was taking notes, but um, which team, or give yourself a second, to which team do you think had the most players uh, with their highest fantasy scores? How do we know if they were right, Kagi? Yeah, just listen. 
because we're about to tell them, Nelson. Um, Hold on. I don't. I didn't hear anyone, but I don't think that's because we can't hear them. That's, that's correct. There's no that's one correct. here. <laughs> Nail on the head. Well oh, done. Congratulations. Even on five apiece. <laughs> can't believe you guys guessed that one. All right. Hurricanes and Highlanders, that's it. Crusaders, they uh, wrapped out that top three with four. Reds got three with the Rebels also getting three. The Tars with two. Force with one. Brumbies with one. And the Chiefs, sorry, Blues with one. And the Chiefs and Brumbies both getting zero. And I said, I think you'd be able to pick it thinking it was the Force that got zero. But I'm sorry, it was actually the Brumbies that had zero there. That is amazing. That's true. I look in. If you were like me and just assumed that um, the Crusaders got all 15, that's fine. You know, that that's also very acceptable. Um, that would have been the common line of thought. So. I'm just confused about how Falau Fainga didn't get in. Isn't he a gimme for top hooker every single He was behind Tom Horton. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wowzers. I better actually do some research before finals redraft. Then. I was going to say, are you going to change your, change your tip on the Waratahs-Brumbies game now, mate? Yeah. Are you any good? Yeah. I only got two more points than Brendan Panga and Mosa, who you were hating on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Huge. All right. Well, look, let's get on to the, the last item on the menu. I gave uh, it a is... perfect lead-in segue then. You, you didn't take it at all. No, <laughs> I didn't. Sorry. Didn't, wasn't picking up what you were putting down. Um, the, this is the post-dessert cheese board and, cheese board and uh, port. Coffee. coffee. Port, port, coffee. All right. Um, port, we're yeah. just going to talk about how... Our draft rugby fantasy final series works, and um, I wasn't kidding when I said um, Harry can explain. We have a two playoffs. We have the um, championship playoff and the spoon or the Nelson Dale playoff. Um, so Harry, do you want to take us through how the championship playoff works, or just in general? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So we we play three week finals. We do it the same for the top four at least every single season. Uh, top four on on four and on the actual points goes through. If it's even, it goes on the total fantasy point score as a tiebreaker. Um, and I think if that's even, which has never happened, it goes to the head to heads, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, we actually had this, and then after head to head, it goes to total points. We yeah, did head to head. Head to head. I'm I'm not 100 sure that's correct. When we look back at the the wooden spoon one. I think if we're going to trust anybody on what happens in fantasy football, it's not <laughs> coming last. <laughs> it's not what we've done in the past. I can tell you that. All right, all right, all right. Fair enough. Um, anyway, so so then, uh, sorry, I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, Three-week finals. So basically what happens is we play two consecutive weeks as a semifinal and we redraft every single week of finals. So... This week, there's only the four Australian teams playing. So our top four finalists will have those four teams to pick from with the same 15 starters, one reserve forward, run, one reserve back to, uh, to make up their squad. From that, you then accumulate the, the score from this week and the newly drafted teams from next week to see who wins. One versus four, two versus three, put the scores together and then the winners of those two head-to-head semifinals go into a sudden death grand final, which will most likely be Kagi and I. <laughs> That's what the, <laughs> the, the boogies have in the... Uh, the I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wrap up this, uh, this wooden spoon quite quickly. Very similar, just a lot more sad. Just a lot more <laughs> sadness, maybe some more tears. But no, we, we do uh, two weeks in a row. Myself and Ensign Koo got about a quarter of the points. Uh, we, we're going to draft two sides. 
Uh, this has changed almost every year, just in the last couple of years, to try and make sure I'm included. Um, <laughs> and what I was saying about when you guys were saying who wins if it's a draw, two years ago, I drew in the, the grand final of the wooden spoon, exact same points, and I had 10 to 20% more total points than him. It was one-to-one on head-to-head, but he was, I think, higher than me on the table. So he ended up, he, he was the winner. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That makes the sense. listeners, if you understood that, write in and tell us what Nelson's all about. <laughs> and if you get it correct, we will send you out a... Uh, or Nami Beanie. Nelson will send you out a signed picture. Or Nami Beanie. Exclusive Or Nami Beanie from the team that was deleted from the competition that was deleted <laughs> for the second time. <laughs> because Australian rugby doesn't want to succeed. Very good. No, so just to be clear on that, uh, we have a wooden spoon final just to uh, to keep the managers down the bottom of the table still in it, still interested, still playing. Do you keep um, NSYNC interested? Look, yeah, 100%. He just wasn't any good. <laughs> <laughs> his, his record of not winning a single game might say otherwise uh, in terms well, of the, the interest levels. He's the Chiefs, mate. Give him a break. He is not the Chiefs. <laughs> He's basically Warren Gatland. But no, it's it's our device to uh, prevent uh, you know mid season or end of season blues and just um, falling off and disappearing. So um, yeah, it means you've got something to play for to get out. You don't want to be in the wooden spoon finals. We do have a, a punishment for bottom of the table end of the regular season. Um, I think we might have mentioned it before. Last year was the sexy calendar. This year, and congratulations to NSYNC for taking it out. Um, the choice was between, and we're still a little bit upset that we didn't vote in the the music video remake, but um, the punishment this year is you need to get, NSYNC's going to have to get a life-size cardboard cutout (laughs) of the champion holding the trophy and it needs to be on display prominently in the living room of his domicile until the next season starts and at any time a draft member may drop in to check that it is in fact prominently displayed and if it is not, he will, the, uh, the, there will be yeah, a, right. an additional punishment of purchasing a second life-size cardboard <laughs> cutout of the champion with a trophy, and that will also need to be on display. So, and so on uh, and so forth. <laughs> and so on and so forth. So, so, what we're basically summing up there is NSYNC's finally going to have some friends come over. <laughs> 300 yeah, bucks a pop. It's an expensive one not to display, I'll say that much. That's yeah. it. So we'll basically, we'll have to be taking turns doing um, trips down into Bondi um, just to drop in and check that uh, NSYNC has uh, my <laughs> cardboard cutout as the champion um, prominently displayed. Um, just seeing if we can let that one slide past Harry. Is he going to, hmm? no, we're good. All right. Um, um, they don't, they don't make life-size cutouts that big. <laughs> but yeah, true. We, we, we won't have enough cardboard for that. That's very good. That's, that's very good. Um, excellent. All right. Well, if there's no further business, um, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Episode 29, season three, episode 29. Yeah. What are we getting up to now, actually? Just, well, let's, let's just finish on the episodes. caps. Oh, yeah. That, Can we? Um, on the caps. Another nice short podcast, by the way, fellas. Was it? <laughs> nice yeah, short short. Our specialty. Um, we're on up to 76 caps, Harry. Congratulations. Um, Where's that? So uh, we're getting up there. Well, we're going to have to. We've got twenty-four more to plan something special for the hundredth. Um, we've had some pretty special guests on in the past, so we'll have to really step it up. Perhaps we'll get them all on at the same time or something. Buddy Pod, 
Um, Celebrate. Maybe maybe we can get um the super sub on for that one. That'd be quite special. And Kai, you miss out. Look, uh, we'll have to put it to a vote with our listeners. Um, or I think it'll be look if you. It's about how many times have you won the spoon um, that will determine uh, whether or not you're on the podcast. Nah. Okay. The quality of my banter has now gone down here. We clearly need to end <laughs> this podcast. Thanks for listening and we will catch you in the next one. Oh, yeah. Yeah.